super excited to say that this is my one year podcast anniversary. And that I'm doing a compilation kind of of the best of the best over the last year. So glad you're here to join me. Hey there, I'm Regina Topolson, registered dietitian, plant-based foodie, amateur athlete, mom of teenage boys, and one lucky girl, cancer survivor, and host of the Life Well Lived podcast. Living through cancer seemed like the hard part until I had to learn how to live after. We all want to feel healthy and safe and know that our life has meaning and purpose. If you're a patient, survivor, or caretaker, this is the place to find hope and inspiration through life's great disruptor and learn to live more fully today. With my podcast approaching its one-year mark, I thought it would be fun to look back at the published interviews over the last year and find the golden nuggets of what people had to say really helped them along their journey. This first clip comes from Gail Nussbaum, and she brings up the very important point that we should do the things that make us feel normal. Because when I say that cancer is the great disruptor, I don't say that lightly. It literally disrupts everything in your life. And if you can keep one or two things that you used to do that makes you feel like life is a little bit normal, then you should definitely try to keep those things. So here's Gail. That's a big thing to maintain yeah. normalcy. Right. When you can't control anything else in your life, if I could control going to work and, and doing what I could, and every day wasn't great. I know Monday morning I was very sick, and if I just had a couple appointments, that would be great. It wasn't you know, a typical day, but it gave me a reason to wake up Monday morning. So true. Keep whatever helps you, makes you want to wake up and get out of bed on Monday morning. Whether you're the person with cancer or you love someone with cancer, sometimes we hear things or we say things that are well-meaning, but not very helpful. In this next clip, Gail and I talk about the way to actually be helpful and let someone know that you're thinking about them in a very concrete way. When people found out that you had cancer, I know it's very common for people to come up and start saying, I'm so sorry. How did you receive that? And was there something that you would have preferred to hear instead? It's funny because I do a lot of speaking for different organizations. And one of the things I talk about is, what do you say to somebody going through cancer? And, and often the other thing I would hear a lot is, oh, if you need anything, let me know. And everybody means well when they say the words, if you need something, just let me know. And I, I always speak about this when I give talks is that, it's really important to just do something like stopping by with their favorite ice cream flavor or saying, hey, I'll take your dog for a walk or 
let me do some chores for you or pick up your kids. Instead of waiting for them to say something, you know, just say, hey, I'm going to stop by with dinner. And, you know, because people often don't want to ask for help. You don't want to feel like you need somebody to help you. And it's also people don't usually say, oh, yeah, would you do this and this? When they say, oh, let me know if you need anything. It's kind of one of those comments people mean well. So just taking the time. The other thing that I love getting and I've done for other cancer patients is I love getting cards in the mail. We've become a society where people text, hey, how you feeling, Gail? And it's great. Don't get me wrong. Or sending an email, which then you feel like you have to respond to the email. I still remember getting those on the weekend of my chemo. I'm like, I can barely wake up, no less send you an email back. But getting a card in the mail, I really think, you know, I, <laughs> I probably own, own stock in Papyrus or, or Hallmark because it's those cards are so important to get a card in the mail because often we don't see those nice refreshing notes anymore. And so um, I try and send people a card and, and I did tell people I really love cards. I had family members reach out and when people were asking, what do I need? They'd say, you know, Gail really likes cards. And I actually kept a whole basket full of those cards I received. And, and years later, I went back through them and read many of the notes people wrote. And I think that's important because people don't know what to say, just as you said. This next clip is from my conversation with Nancy McKay when we talked about the connection between alcohol and cancer. Nancy is a survivor of alcoholism and ovarian cancer. So in this clip, we talk about the importance of setting your sights on the right direction in life and operating from faith as opposed to fear. What I've learned is that mindset has a huge role to play in anything that you do. And so what I do with my clients is I combine thought work with the 12 steps because there's a lot of value to the 12 steps. Um, You know, you have to look at your behavior and uh, there's a it's such a spiritual program. It's not religious. It's very spiritual. And you have to understand that, you know, there's something bigger than, than us. We can look to the universe or God or a higher power of some sort to gain strength from and gain faith from. And I know that when I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, when I was six years sober, that faith that I had was invaluable to me. And, and what I had learned from the 12-step work I had done and continued to do at that point was invaluable to me. One of the hardest things for me on the cancer journey was losing all my hair. It wasn't just the hair on my head, it was also my eyelashes and my eyebrows. And when people lose those types of hair, it really signals to the world that this is a different kind of person. And it really signals to you that this is a very different situation than most illnesses. In this episode, I'm talking to Angie DeFrancis Cox, my hairstylist, about the things that you can do to get yourself kind of on the right foot before you even begin the journey. 
I think it really comes down to kind of deciding what will empower you and what will make you feel safer in this in this um, journey that you're about to go through because we do tend to uh, allow our hair to be part of our identity. So finding a way to empower ourselves when we're possibly losing that aspect is I think the best way you can prepare yourself. And speaking of hair, having cancer is such a heavy thing in your life. I oftentimes ask my guests where they find humor And this next clip had me rolling on the floor in laughter. Uh, I think if you've heard it, you will remember it. If not, you will definitely enjoy a good laugh. As Dr. Sherry Fox explains her hair shaving experience. So I talked to my family about it. And so we decided to do this hair shaving party. And uh, we went over to my sister's house. And my brother and my sister-in-law and and, uh, my sister and my brother-in-law and I were all there out on the patio. And we took out the dog clippers, because that's the razor that they have. (laughs) And then my brother-in-law, who is the nicest man, um, maybe I shouldn't be saying who says what in this, but (laughs) anyway, it's still funny. But um, he said, we should all go around and say something that we love about Shari, uh, which was, was super kind. And so, yeah, everybody's taking turns, and it's very touching, whatever. And then they get to my brother, who is always trying to make a joke. Or not, I shouldn't say he's always trying to make a joke, but sometimes he does. And so he was like, he looked at me, and he's like, what I love about Shari is her hair. Oh, no. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Which was so much. <laughs> it was such a, like, this emotional touchy so it's actually perfect because then everybody's like oh my god that it broke that like very heavy feeling as you heard i couldn't even stop myself from laughing and here's what i'll say about laughter and humor you're going through a tough time you your family your loved ones cancer is very 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 heavy But you should never, ever, ever lose your ability to laugh because laughter is medicine and it will bring your hopes up. So remember to look for laughter and humor wherever you can find it. This next point stood out to me a little bit because it's somewhat different than what I usually say. I usually say, yes, you should advocate for yourself. You should be your own self-advocate. And you should find the right team of people to help you with your care. But Mark Roby, in this next clip, talks about how important it is to actually get second, third, fourth, and fifth opinions, however many you need to feel comfortable with the care that is being suggested and recommended for you. Let's have a listen. You know, you're being complacent and you're not being wise as a patient. If you have a bad cancer, like I was diagnosed with, he had brain cancer, if you don't get three or four opinions right off the bat. So, you know, should I get a second opinion? Even though you're, you might be discouraged from getting that from your first oncologist you meet, I wouldn't be alive probably 
or six months into it, if I uh, had not really quickly gone out, I, I got four or five opinions in the first about uh, two, three months at least, maybe more. Yeah. And so that's that's a really important point that the hospitals can't do everything for you. One oncologist maybe maybe can do everything for you, but oftentimes not. And so you need to build a team of people. You need to research your tumor and really look about who you're going to put your life under. I want somebody that understands my needs and that wants to do this for precision, integrated, personalized approach. In this next clip, I talked to Leah and Sarah from Salty Girl Beauty And we were talking about the effects of stress on your body and the effects of stress as a promoter for cancer. So in this clip, we talk about stress you can control and stress that it's different when it's stress that is eustress, which is associated with feelings of excitement, and when it's distress, And it's associated with feelings of fear and anxiety and maybe even despair. I think stress has a big impact on your overall wellness and created a lot of tension in my body overall. While I was going through treatment and understanding what like fed my desires, my creativity, what I wanted to be when I grew up was always having my own company. Um, and what we're doing now, Leah and I, what we're creating, it's, it's stressful. Don't get me wrong. We have a small business during COVID, a beauty business, no less. Um, but it's a different kind of stress. The stress I can control is the stress that I love. Um, and so it's, it's very different than working for somebody else in corporate America. So while it's true that stress can wreak havoc on our lives, including cause illness, there's certain ways to deal with stress and some techniques that can help reduce stress. One of them is getting adequate sleep. And that is something that most of us seem to struggle with. Um, Maybe even as early as five to 10 years ago, we used to wear sleep deprivation as like a badge that we were like superhuman and that, you know, we could get things done and we could stay up all hours of the night and we could be so productive. But the truth of the matter is that sleep is so important to us and without it, we are in a really bad way. We're in really bad shape without good sleep. And studies are now coming out linking poor sleep habits and just in general, not enough sleep with Alzheimer's disease. So it's really important that we do get enough sleep. And to that effect, my next guest, Susan Buckley, another registered dietitian colleague of mine, we spoke about the importance of sleep as a source of stress reduction and some new innovative things that are being done to help with sleep. 
let me just comment on that sleep one uh, uh, again, because that's one that hasn't really gotten a whole lot better for me when I, uh, after I had my kids, so my oldest daughter's 33, and then you're waking up every few hours and, you know, if you were breastfeeding like I was, I mean, this just went on forever. So really ever since then, my sleep has not been all that great. And then after I went through menopause, that really had an effect on it. And, you know, I went through menopause right around the time of my breast cancer, so 55. So that really has not gotten better. So one thing I'm going to look into, and I've been talking to a few people about this, and they've had really good luck with this, is cognitive behavioral therapy, specifically for insomnia. There are programs that were cognitive behavioral therapy that's been used in therapy forever and ever, but now there are specifically insomnia programs uh, that work for people that are not great sleepers. And it was interesting because I was talking to somebody who's just going through the program, and I'm doing already a lot of things wrong that I shouldn't be doing according to cognitive behavioral, which is waking up in the middle of the night and reading to get back to sleep. I do that. Going to bed before you're, you know, if you're shooting for seven hours of sleep to start with, if I get up at six o'clock, I should not be going to bed until 11, but I start getting really tired around eight or nine. So trying to keep yourself up and not have too many extended hours in bed and not sleeping with your dog. Oops, you know, guilty there too. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. There's a whole bunch of them that when I when he when he kind of went through the list of things that you're not allowed to, I'm going, oh boy, I'm doing all those. Don't stay in bed and read, get up and leave the room. And you know, so so I think that there are certainly that's kind of my next project that I'm gonna tackle is um doing some cognitive behavioral ter- therapy for, for insomnia because it really does have a direct effect on your immune system. And that's when your immune system really does its major work is at night when you're asleep. So that really right. needs to take precedence over a lot of different things. And yes, walking in nature and, you know, being in nature, incredibly important. That actually helps me to sleep on the days when I'm more active and especially active outside. I sleep a lot better. Um, The the, uh, Japanese actually have a term for it. You've probably heard that term called. Yeah, Shinrin-yoku. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Their, their doctors actually write prescriptions for their patients. You need to go out and forest bathe because there's something just so you know calming to the uh, yeah. the stress system when you're out in nature. So, and I think we do maybe appreciate that as we get older and as we get we see things come full circle a little bit more. We realize how much we are such a part of that cycle of life, uh, life and rebirth and death, and you know we we see that also. I think nature is just such a good example of that for us and that interconnectedness of everything. Susan brought up some really great points about doing the cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia and also getting out into nature, which is one of my favorite ways to do stress reduction. But another one of my favorite ways of doing stress reduction is exercise and especially doing exercise outdoors. Now, my favorite way of doing that is cycling and another colleague of mine um, who's not a dietitian but is actually a cardiology specialist, Devorah Peterson, she goes really hard on her bicycle. And this is what she had to say about exercise. I think we have to do a lot more with our exercise. I think it's really important for our cancer experience. Personally, I do weight training too. Because not only because I'm older woman, you know, with the old bone density thing, but you lose a lot of power um, as you get older. And um, if you want to keep your strength up and your mobility up, 
you got to do it and you got to do it regularly and you have to do it when you're in your 60s you still have to do it while you're cycling and doing the other stuff that's out there and that's it's challenging but it's important if you want to keep active and i think the other thing um about exercise is it has the mindfulness about it mm-hmm. i think um personally my cancer experience was really um traumatic mm-hmm. and 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 life changing but i think once you get on your bicycle and put your helmet and your sunglasses on you look like everybody else and no one else knows and you are you are you look like you have that power and you feel like you know you can do it and i think it gives you something else to focus on and to train your mind that all is well and and that you can do this um rather than sitting at home and stressing and worrying one of the things that helped me the most in my recovery was learning how to meditate so i couldn't end this without this favorite clip from this past year of my meditation teacher Oleg Kotlarski talking about how meditation helps you in every aspect of your life. It doesn't mean that by practicing sahaja yoga meditation we become suddenly uh problemless mm-hmm. or stressless. No, it's illusion. Obviously we experience a lot of uh what uh all people experience in our high pace uh, society and uh, struggle with works and what not and and families and relationships and so on. But the perspective it gives you, the uh, qualities it opens up. For example, Fifth Energy Center, we talked about a little bit, uh responsible for communication, responsible for state of witness. uh responsible for diplomacy uh skills suddenly if you uh experience that opening within this fifth energy center you become a much more powerful witness to every situation in your life every relationship in your life it doesn't mean that uh, your relationship relationship become better but yes it is be- becoming better but uh in the sense that you become better you become better communicator you become better visionary you your awareness widens up and you suddenly see the same situation from far away or from top of it and you see much w- wider angle and when you we we capable of doing this we are suddenly getting view of a bird and we see the same problem differently and this just a small example of how it literally helps you in every aspect of your life and that concludes our compilation of the best of the best of the first year of the life well lived podcast thanks so much for joining me and for listening and supporting my podcast and my work i hope you've laughed I hope you've learned. I hope you found something of meaning here today. I send you healing strength and I'm grateful for you. You've been listening to the Life Well Lived podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with your friends so they can benefit too. 
check out the show notes and connect with me on social media. And please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Peace and love. Until next time.